The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Thanks to Reggie Cicchini from Global National for um, finding the landline to give us a shout, to give us an update on Hurricane Florence. One of our texters said a great resource uh, for you, Chadville, so you know what you need in case of emergency is a website uh, from the Government of Canada called Get Prepared. Just Google getprepared.gc.ca. Lots of information there that you you can use in case of emergency. Uh, Ian, thanks for holding. What's on your mind? Hey guys, <clears throat> three real quick things. Number one, emergency preparedness is you put your important documents and some cash and things uh, into a Ziploc bag and you rent a uh, safe deposit box at the bank. Um, yeah, if you can get to the bank. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, it's he's saying like in preparation. Yeah. yeah, right. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's preparation, right? So you don't have to worry about if your house gets flooded or collapses or what have you. Uh, number two is that, uh, yeah, I was there in Calgary, uh, and I, uh, living in Inglewood, which was one of the hardest hit areas. And I uh, was one of the few people who did not evacuate. I stayed in place because I knew my stuff, the important documents were safe. And uh, there were also, and, and this is just another way of thinking, though, is that there were people who could not leave because they had no place to go or, or no way to get there. And so I was like the only guy in, in the neighborhood who had a car who could run for medication, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then number three is that, uh, yeah, I was living in Virginia in uh, 89 when Hugo hit. And uh, it's just going to get worse from here because as that storm runs up against the Appalachian Mountains, you think it's bad now with mm. rain? Oh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a coming. You know, the two important points from that uh, conversation, uh, one, the medication, you're absolutely right, mm-hmm. we should add that to the list, and two, I don't want to live near you. <laughs> yeah, really. Give <laughs> it a bad track record there, Ian. I'm, 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 I'm like the Tom Hanks that you don't want to travel with, right? Airplanes and castaways. Ian, thanks for the call. Thank really you. appreciate it. Uh, and then quickly, Ken. Hi, Ken. Hi, you too. Long time no talk to. How you doing? Not bad. Just got back from Vancouver on vacation. This you guys a bit on Radio Player, but this is just uh, a quick note on age determines loss. My daughter and her boyfriend were at a Olympic tournament in Hamlin, small place outside of uh, Slave Lake, um, Lamont and that, at a Olympic tournament. The last big storm that came through where the tornado hit, like over by St. Paul or someplace. Mm-hmm. And so I was at work and I'm looking, I phone him up, say, hey, you guys, we watch this guy and all this. So about 20 minutes later, I get a text from her saying, we're going to the basement of the of the hall. We're close, the only building in the area is a community hall. So this is just to put a little light lightness on the situation and what the mentality of the younger crowd is. So they're in there about a half hour, and they come out. Their tents, everything are up in the trees. Uh, some campers are just about blown over all this stuff. And I said, "So what did you guys bring?" Not one person brought food. Everybody brought their coolers and booze. 
<laughs> Canada, eh? You're all right next yeah. to the car. Kids. Right next to the car. Great to hear you guys. Nice right. to hear you, Ken. Take it easy now. Appreciate it. Well, we should switch gears here uh, real quickly, I guess. Uh, it seems to be the hottest ticket in town. Earlier this week, announced it was announced the new Royal Alberta Museum will open October 3rd within six hours. Listen to this. Uh, more than 21,000 free tickets were snapped up by the public uh, for their six-day grand opening. Uh, so the Royal Alberta Museum uh, announced that they were going to release 8,000 more, uh, and probably they've all been snapped up as well. Uh, with more details, we're joined by the executive director of the museum, Chris Robinson. Thanks for taking the time, Chris, and thanks for your patience in waiting uh, for us this afternoon. Oh, it's my pleasure, and I have to say, I have to agree with the comment made that nobody wants to live next to Ian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. He is dangerous. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, so, Chris, I have to ask, were you surprised by just how popular these tickets were? Oh, you see, a surprise and delighted. I mean, there are good surprises in this world, and there are bad surprises in this world. And I'm at the point where I want the good ones. So, yeah, yeah. that was. I mean, that was a great surprise. Uh, Twenty-one thousand five hundred gone in six hours. Wow. Are, are the other eight thousand gone? Are they still available? Well, we we learned something through that. We've given now people some advance notice um, on on when the new ones are being released. They're being released tomorrow morning okay. at, at ten a.m. on our website. RoyalAlbertaMuseum.ca, and that basically breaks down to an extra hundred tickets every half hour available during the entire six days of our weekend. Actually, it works out to eighty-one hundred if you want to do the perfect math. So, how are you going to handle? I, I, I'm guessing people get to go in at certain times. Like, how are you going to handle crowd control there? That's um, to me a museum. I, I'd rather be a little bit more alone than be you know packed with a lot of people around me. But to each their own. Each their own. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the one good thing is this is not just a sneak preview weekend and then closing down afterwards to finish it off. So, I mean, this is our hard opening. Mm. I mean, when we open on, on the Wednesday, I mean, we are open now for, you know, the next 359 days or whatever <laughs> I want to call it. Um, so people do have a choice. They can take advantage of the of the free admission over the absolutely going to be busy nuts kind of weekend or they can choose to come uh, post-opening and maybe find it just a little bit quieter, <laughs> I, or I hope, yeah. You know, Chris, I have to ask, it had to be very satisfying to finally announce an opening date and then couple that with the demand for tickets. But what, what did it feel like just to know you're finally opening? <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, I, I, yeah, I've been working on this for an awfully long time. Mm -hmm. So I think the collective sigh, you know, that went across the building, that the date was out there, well, it was, you know, it was a great relief. It's also a great encouragement to finish up those last few things that need doing. There's no, no, there's no putting them off. Yeah. So tell us about, about uh, the new museum. It's moved from Old Glenora to downtown. How do you think that uh, is going to, well, what impact do you think that's going to have on the museum and downtown? And, and what can folks expect? I know it's about double in size. Than, yeah. the, than the old one? Yeah. Well, actually, I spent the morning at the Glenora facility, and then I'm down here at the new one this afternoon, and the, I mean, it is night and day. This new one definitely is larger. It is, uh, I mean, I don't want to brag too much, but <laughs> it really is stunning space to be in. It's you know, We get to look out on the city. The city gets to look in on us. The, the lobby, I mean, if anybody's familiar with the lobby at Glenora, this one here downtown is is very grand. Um, so we, we have the capacity, we have, a, we have a much increased capacity for the building to host visitors. So back to your earlier question on how will we deal with the volume, we do have much more room to, to deal with uh, hmm. a lot of guests. But what, 
you know, the principal thing they'll see when they walk in is that, you know, when my hat's off to LeadCore and, and Dialog, the, uh, the builder and the designer, they have really done a smashing job in making this this home for these, you know, two and a half million pieces that we hold and trust for all Albertans, those things that represent Alberta and Albertans. I, I have to assume, given that this new museum is twice the size of the old, that a lot of that stuff was in boxes in the basement? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have, uh, you know, it's like the iceberg. Uh, what you'll see is of uh, the public side is is certainly not all of the museum. We have a lot of on-site uh, collection storage space. We've we've just actually passed the threshold of moving in two million of the of the 2.4, 2.5 million pieces. Mm-hmm. So you know we had a little celebration for that, and we've chosen, you know, 5,300 of uh, I think of really some of the finest pieces to put on exhibit, uh, on the opening exhibits. You know, I, I was reading this delightful novel the other day and they were planning a dinner party and they said you should choose your guests for being irresistible rather than inevitable. <laughs> so, so I'm hoping that the, you know, the, the pieces that we've chosen will be considered irresistible. They all, they all tell and how did, how did a you, story. How did you make that choice? Well, we're not putting out on display a, you know, a textbook history of Alberta. There's not that timeline of Alberta A to Z. We've, what we've chosen to do is, from what our curators have collected over the past 50 years, they had a lot of opportunity to go through their collections and find those pieces that told really compelling stories about moments that, that are meaningful to us, about people who have made a difference in Alberta. And... And a lot of them is, uh, these are stories you won't find anywhere else. You know, we've got the great privilege of telling you the story of a, of a man from Mundare named Michael Kooten, who won the Distinguished Flying Cross. Yeah. Or the, you know, Alex Janvier, his experience of what it was like to be in a residential school. Things like that. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I went to a museum, and uh, I'm, I'm not a big museum goer. I apologize. But it was that kind of display. You will that, be, though. Yeah, absolutely, I will be. I, it was that kind of display that I really enjoyed, where they picked a single story of an individual mm-hmm. and that you might know through you know history, but you didn't know what led that individual to be in the situation they were in. It's, yeah. it's interesting to see. Um, does the museum, no museum, include any performance space or meeting space? Yes, it absolutely does. Um, we do have a 250-seat theater and uh, a number of seminar breakout spaces around that and that will be i mean i'll have to use the r word that will be available for rent uh, for people who are looking for a i think a pretty special venue for 250 for is the perfect number chris that's <laughs> you're planning uh, you planning the chad christmas party already no i'm planning the edmonton comedy festival that's what's been missing in the city is we can get 125 and we can get 300 and we can get 600 but 250 is the magic number well, fantastic. You did well on that, my friend. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm assuming well, you have a not-for-profit rate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we absolutely do. All right. Well, that's another conversation you and I will have then. Uh, Chris Robinson, the executive de- director of the Royal Alberta Museum, joining us this afternoon. Grand opening October 3rd. Congratulations. I know it's been a long time coming. We're really looking forward to getting into this new space and checking it out, Chris. Uh, congratulations to your team. Thank you so much. Looking right. forward to seeing you all there. Yeah, exciting. So uh, 10 o'clock tomorrow, those other eight grand tickets. There you go. On not, their website. Not, they don't cost you eight grand. No, 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 no. Free. 8,000 8, free tickets available tomorrow morning. RoyalAlbertaMuseum.ca.
on the show, we're going to talk with the uh, the guy behind Red Cup Distillery about his plans for a, a boozy ice cream that's um, run into some trouble here in the province. His plans on how to uh, get it to the market. Plus, 425, Andrew. Oh, yeah, we're going to have your word of the day so you can join us in Jamaica, Montego Bay, man. Jamaica, man. Uh, we're headed off uh, January 19th to 27th, of course, and anytime you want to pick up the phone or go online and uh, talk to the good folks at uh, New West Travel, you can uh, just book go it. ahead and book it. September 28th, the magic day. That's right. Uh, up until that day, you can save $200 a person or $400 a room. Uh, hey, I, I saw story. Did you ever see a story where you feel like you read it and then you go, I should know more about this. Like, why have I not heard this before? And then you sort of well, do your research. It is. Tim Hortons. Oh, yeah. It's Whatever. An, it's it's sort of an interesting... I, I researched to see what the backstory on this was, and basically the news today was that there was four Tim Hortons in the Lethbridge area that were taken over by the corporate head office of Restaurant Brand International, and that uh, they've now reached an agreement that's confidential with the franchisee um, and uh, they're going to find another person to run them. Okay. So they've come to some arrangements all settled. But so How I much saw. What's the cost to get a? It's expensive and there's a waiting list. So it's it's hard to get a. Yeah, Tim is Hortons. it like a million bucks? Is it oh, five hundred grand or five hundred thousand? I couldn't say, but I know that I've I've done some. I've had some conversations, as I mentioned before, with Ron Joyce, and he's no longer, I don't think, with the organization. But he had told me about, you know, years worth mm. of waiting to try and give them your money to open a Tim Hortons. So it's hard to get one. But I wondered why I had not seen this story before. Why were four Tim Hortons outlets seized in the first place? Um, so I looked into it, and it's a, it's a kind of an interesting backstory. And what had happened was this: there was an individual down in um, Lethbridge, and he formed something called the Great White North Franchisee Association. Mm. Um, and they keep referring to it as an unauthorized association. So I wondered what it was. I looked into it. So in a nutshell, it's this. So this guy owns four Tim Hortons, or did own four Tim Hortons in Lethbridge. He's not happy with corporate. Remember, you remember the office? Mm. Uh, corporate said that he wasn't happy with mm. corporate. So he formed what can only sort of be described as a union. He, he kind of put it out there to other franchisees. Hey, let's get this organization going. But it was basically to show strength against the corporate people. So he felt, I guess, and I don't want to put words in his mouth or anything, but I guess he sort of formed this association of franchisees to kind of fight back what they thought were bad moves that the corporate head office were doing since the departure of Ron Joyce, that, that the company was taking a slightly different direction. And you'll recall over the last few months, there's been a story or two about minimum wage out mm -hmm. in Ontario or mm -hmm. these kind of things. And there's just things like that. But the reason the company actually seized the four franchises was because they suspect, although they've not confirmed, nor will they confirm now under a gag order, <laughs> that this guy was leaking uh, information to media about problems within oh, Tim Hortons, Jeepers. and it violates the franchise agreement mm -hmm. to do anything in media. He's the whistleblower. Exactly. But it was things like how much they were charging for a new coffee machine and... Um, just stuff that I guess the average consumer wouldn't care much about, but as a franchisee, he did, right? I was going to say, really? You're yeah. It was like everybody had to get this new machine and it cost a thousand bucks and like stuff like that. Um, but yeah, they accused him not only of leaking to the media, but of going to Ron Joyce, the former CEO of the company, and 
complaining to him to use him as a, as an individual who could get media's attention. So it's like this, just this drama, I guess, that unfolded within the four walls of Tim Hortons. There's been a lot of drama at Tim Hortons yes, recently when you think about there it. There certainly has, and this doesn't help the cause. Oh my gosh. Okay, uh, 2.54.5 on the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News. We'll take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll tee up the 3 o'clock hour. Right, coming up after the 3 o'clock news, we'll talk about why uh, bosses can get better results when they aren't total, total jerks. <laughs> wow. A scam that was going around on Facebook, which was... Uh, Quite something, and an announcement from Facebook that's going to yeah. change how Facebook looks moving forward. We'll do that, plus after 3.30, no dice for the boozy ice cream. <laughs> All that more still to come. The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.